The reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 to 10. The branch from Jesse. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobbler. And the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for John, who is uh, your servant. We pray that as he preaches and as he speaks your word, we may receive your word into our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter, and good morning, everyone. You may find it helpful this morning to have that passage open in one of the Pew Bibles, as I shall be referring to it a bit. It is the passage we're considering. If you didn't catch it, it's page 697 in the Pew Bibles. But first of all, I must tell you about a tree in our garden, or rather that used to be in our garden. Last year we had to have it removed because the roots were breaking up the ground in our neighbor's parking space. Well, we couldn't allow that to happen, so we had the tree uprooted and taken away. Uh, but then a few months later, Brian came round and knocked on my door and he said, John, you know that tree that isn't there anymore? Well, it's still disturbing our parking space. And true enough, one bit of root had been left in the ground. And it was vigorous enough to start pushing out new shoots. I don't know what you made of this phrase, the root of Jesse, which we had twice in that reading, but it's exactly the image 
which Isaiah is using here. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. What seemed to have disappeared came alive again. Timber was precious in the Middle East in those days, and in this part of the book of Isaiah, there's quite a lot of reference to deforestation. Uh, In chapter 9, we read about the fig trees being felled and the forest thickets set ablaze. And in chapter 10, there's reference to the splendor of the forests being completely destroyed. Verse 18, the remaining trees of the forests will be so few that a child could write them down. And then the last two verses of chapter 10, just before our reading starts, we read that the Lord Almighty will lop off the boughs with great power, the lofty trees will be felled, the tall ones will be brought low, he will cut down the forest thickets with an axe. Lebanon, of course, famous for its yew trees, Lebanon will fall before, oh, I said yew trees, I mean cedars. I've said it twice now. I said the same thing at nine o'clock. Somebody pointed out it's cedars of Lebanon, not yews. The cedars of Lebanon will fall before the mighty one. Why was Isaiah making all these references to trees? Well, I can only suppose there must have been some great disaster, perhaps a great forest fire, or maybe a tornado like the one we had in Shropshire a few few weeks ago, which blew down lots of trees. Uh, Or it may be that there had been destruction of trees during a time of war. But anyway, whatever it was sparked the prophet to keep using this imagery about trees being damaged. And amongst other things, he applies it here to the people of Israel. It's God's judgment, he says, on their sinful behavior. Because Israel was God's precious forest which had been damaged and all but destroyed. The point the prophet uses in this picture of a tree being able to produce new branches from its stump is to reassure people who were getting discouraged, who might feel that everything was so threatening there wasn't any hope for the future. He reassures them that in dark days, God does have a future for them and revival will come in his good time. They were not to lose hope, all the while a remnant remained, a little bit of root in the ground. Now we read how Isaiah was called to be a prophet in chapter 6 of his book, when he was in the temple at Jerusalem. He had this amazing vision of God reigning in heaven, surrounded by the heavenly host, crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, The whole earth is full of his glory. And from the throne in heaven, he heard a voice calling, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? But Isaiah felt totally unable to speak for God with his own lips were so defiled and he lived among a people whose lips were defiled. Why lips? Well, precisely because their lives didn't match up to the profession of what they said. They professed to be God's people, but they didn't live like it. But in his vision, Isaiah was cleansed by God's grace and sent to proclaim his word to the two kingdoms of Israel and Judah. It's important to know that in his day, following the reign of King Solomon, the 
state of Israel, the 12 tribes, had broken into two different kingdoms. Ten tribes in the north, the kingdom of Israel, and two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, centered on Jerusalem in the south, the kingdom of Judah. And as Isaiah looked round at this fractured state of God's people, he realized their covenant with God was broken. They no longer had faith to trust the Lord to deliver them from the many threats they had to face. And during his lifetime, that northern kingdom of Israel was conquered by the Assyrians and the people taken away into captivity disappeared completely. And then the southern kingdom of Judah came under siege and it looked as though the whole plan of God to have one people to witness for him and his promise through Abraham to save and bless all nations on earth, that that had come to grief. All the trees had been smashed, evil had triumphed, the beautiful forest was no more. But Isaiah clung to one small hope. The stump of Jesse remained. However corrupt or incompetent the regime, a descendant of David was still on the throne in Jerusalem. From this small root, God could raise up a ruler to reign in righteousness. Well, that was many, many centuries before the promise was fulfilled in the arrival of the Messiah. In the meantime, as the centuries went on, Judah was invaded, Jerusalem sacked, the temple destroyed, and the royal line of David came to an end. But the word of God through Isaiah remained, and hidden in the ground like the root in my garden, the shoot which God was preparing was lying dormant. One night in Bethlehem, that shoot appeared in the earth. So this great prophecy of Isaiah has been read down the Christian centuries as it applied to the birth of Jesus. That was the fulfillment. It has become part of our yearly preparation to celebrate the Savior's birth. It's found in our scripture readings, at our carol services, and the Gospels of Matthew and Luke both include a family tree showing how Jesus was descended from the line of Jesse and David. This theme is found in our liturgy, in our hymns and carols, and in our church buildings. On the east wall of St. Mary's Church in Shrewsbury, there is a huge window containing the finest medieval stained glass in Shropshire. It's what is known as a Jesse window. It gets its name from the imagery which we have been looking at here in Isaiah. It is the family tree of Jesus, showing his descent from Jesse, the father of King David. And all of that adds up to a very satisfactory uh, uh, image of what Christmas means to us, the arrival of the promise of the descendant of David to be the Messiah. But I want to make the point this morning that Advent is not only about Christmas. Isaiah's word about hope for the nations is a word for today as well, as we listen to the news, as we see what's going on around us. Advent is also about the second coming of Christ in glory. 
So let's look at what Isaiah had to say about this promised shoot from the root of Jesse. What he sees is a vision of the kingdom of God. Our reading finished with the words, In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. This is how God is going to fulfill his original promise to Abraham, that in his seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The Messiah is to be a ruler who will reign in righteousness over all. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. That's what we read in verse 2. And those gifts of the Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord, they're the gifts required for good leadership and true ruler. A tr- for a true ruler. Here at last is a king who will provide justice for all, rooting out evil, striking the earth with the rod of his mouth, but bringing true justice for the poor of the earth. Now, that verse 3, uh, look at verse 3 for a moment. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. I couldn't make much of that until I read the message version. You know the message version of the Bible? has a truly inspired translation of this bit. It says, he won't judge by appearances. He won't decide on the basis of hearsay. Now, how much of our judgments are made on the basis of appearances and hearsay? I sometimes think the social media is full of such damaging and cruel judgments based simply on hearsay and appearances. No, the Messiah will not be like that. He will judge the needy by what is right. And the result will be a true worldwide peace. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that's not limited to a restored kingdom of Israel. The prophet prophesies peace and harmony for all peoples and even for the whole of God's creation. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. Peace and harmony throughout nature and throughout all of God's creation. What a vision. Who can believe it looking around at the state of the world today? But there was little in Isaiah's day either to convince people of the truth of this vision. Israel was being threatened by powerful neighbors as never before. Eventually, uh, Jerusalem itself was besieged. And in 2 Kings chapter 19, we read how Hezekiah, who was king of Judah in those days, sent for Isaiah the prophet for help. What help did he ask for? Not money, not armies, not even wise counsel. What we read in verse 4 of chapter 19 of 2 Kings is that Hezekiah asked Isaiah to pray. Pray, he said, for the remnant that still survives. And God heard Isaiah's prayer. 
On that occasion, Jerusalem was spared. And it's always been like that. In the midst of apostasy, apathy, ignorance, there is always a remnant, a stump or a root from which the revival could come. That's why this season of Advent, waiting for the Lord's coming, is about hope. When all seems dark, the light is about to shine. So in our Advent preparations, we're not just remembering the event of two millennia ago, we're also looking for Christ's coming in our midst today. And it says the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Those words remind us of how the Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove at his baptism in the River Jordan. We read in the Gospel, the Spirit rested or remained on him. John the Baptist said then that God had given Jesus the Spirit without limit. Jesus had the entirety of God's Spirit. This is the uniqueness of the Messiah. He shares in the fullness of the Holy Spirit because as God's Son, he is one with the Spirit and the Father. In him, God the Holy Trinity is taking action to save and redeem his creation. Now if Isaiah had lived long enough to see the eventual destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 588 BC, he, even he might have been tempted to doubt the prophecy which God had given him. This Advent, as we read again those Old Testament prophecies of the promised Messiah, we can look back and see how, indeed, God has fulfilled his word. So I think what we can take from this passage today is not so much something to apply to our individual situations, but rather a message of hope for the whole world. Hope for us all when we feel fearful or discouraged about what is going on in the world. See how the word has endured in all ages. See how God does work out his purposes. Pray for the faithful remnant through whom God continues to work. Look up and hear once again the song of the angels around the throne. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and that his place of rest will be glorious. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.